Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast is Clay Chappie from the class of 2010 and Meredith Butler Chappie from the class of 2012. On a late night run, Meredith and two friends were burdened about the needs in their community. Not being able to sleep, the three women began to dream of how they could make an impact in their community, especially in the area of food insecurity with so many losing jobs during the pandemic. Soon, the For the Love food truck was born, a food truck on a mission to feed the hungry, cultivate community, and fight poverty. Hear how the truck became a reality, how Clay dreams up the menu items, and how you can get involved either in Northwest Arkansas or wherever you live. Clay and Meredith shared their favorite Washtenaw memories, like Clay serving in Peru through hands-on and rappelling off the old bridge, Meredith getting shin splints as a tri-chi soccer mom, and their love for Chick-fil-A. All right, Clay and Meredith, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. Thanks, John. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for uh, hopping on here and chatting for a little bit. How are things in uh, Northwest Arkansas today? Man, it's a it's a beautiful day up here. It's going to be a hot one, uh, as as I'm sure you know well in Arkadelphia. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, a lot of fun up here today with with a food truck open for lunch. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I've been hearing a lot about the um, for the love food truck. Uh, tell me a little bit about the truck. What was the inspiration? How did you guys get started? Well, um, in the middle of COVID, I was out on a run with um, two friends, and we like to go run after bedtime. Um, I call them the the crazy wives running club. <laughs> he does. But we always have these very deep conversations while we're running, and then we get home and we can't go to bed because our brains are processing. But um, we just were running and talking about all the hurt, um, in our community. And so many people that we personally knew had lost jobs. Um, Jennifer that was running with me, her husband had lost his job. Mm. Um, so much isolation. And we really believe that people need people and, um, people need community. And it, we just kept coming back to seeing, the food insecurity numbers continuing to rise and what could we do about this? And a few days later, this was a very simple conversation. Like let's just feed a few people at church. Um, Let's just maybe make an impact on like a few families lives that we know are personally impacted. Um, And within a few weeks it was, Hey, let's buy a food truck. And our church said, Hey, we'll give you a little bit of uh, money to start. And then a few businesses were like, it was like this secret that was being passed around. Like, Hey, we heard that y'all are about to do something crazy and buy a food truck and feed people for free. And we want to get in on this. And literally in a few weeks, we had had like five businesses donate to us and we had the money to buy a food truck. Yeah. And, and kind of the, you know, the interesting thing is you know, there's, there's lots of people in the food insecurity space. There's lots of people doing lots of good things. Um, but what we really, what kind of drove the, the idea was making a space where people uh, would be included, where it would be, 
you know, people would never have to show a card or, or give us any sort of proof of their food insecurity, but rather that they would, they would literally come and they would eat alongside their neighbor and no one would know who was food insecure or who wasn't food insecure. Uh, and just kind of a beautiful picture of, of, uh, of, of a true neighbor, uh, neighbor love in, in the fact that we've got people who you would never guess that they were, that they were food insecure, that they are struggling. Uh, and, and honestly, it, unless you have a, a 45 minute conversation with them, you never will guess it. Uh, but, but they're hurting and, and they needed the, the community and they needed uh, the help. Yeah. Do you see a lot of um, like families joining or is it more individuals? What does that look like? Definitely families uh, and families are our primary uh, driver, primary goal. Um, we do, we do see some individuals, even, even here in Bentonville, uh, we, we see there is homelessness. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like other cities. It's a little bit, a little bit different than other cities. And, and, you know, in the fact that, um, we just don't have have the the vast numbers of of homeless folks, uh, but we we certainly do see that, and it's it's a growing population and definitely a growing need here in North Arkansas. Yeah, that's awesome. The truck looks awesome too. I, I mean, I don't know who had the vision for the look of it, but the the light the kind of light bulb letters and all of that just look really really cool. Um, how'd you go about finding a food truck? Just look online, or did you have any connections there? <laughs> Um, a friend actually saw it on Facebook marketplace and, uh, knew that we were like in the middle of having these conversations. We hadn't actually even looked yet because we were still like maybe in denial that this was actually happening. Um, she texted it to us and said, Hey, I think you should go look at this one. Um, and this family was a young couple that, um, we're getting out of the business and they had just been sitting on it for like a year and finally decided to list it. And they actually had three, three, yeah, other, three offers other offers that were one of them being over asking price. Wow. Um, and when we met them, we did not have all the money yet, uh, but they just loved us and loved our vision and loved what we were going to do. And so they actually held the truck for a few weeks while we raised like the last little bit of money um, and took our not as much offer <laughs> over the other offers, which were like some local companies that we know, um, and are also great people, but it was just really sweet that like, I mean, it was clearly God opening door after door that this just fell in our lap. And then we had the funds and they held yeah. it for us. And, um, we specifically needed a truck big enough to hold teams of people. Most food mm-hmm. trucks are very small. Well, um, and it's funny because we we probably hadn't even thought of that in the process, right? We hadn't thought, well, how many people can you fit in here? And it was just blessing upon blessing that like whenever whenever it came to what truck we we found and, and became an opportunity for us, it was this 40-foot silver stream and, and it can hold 10 people inside of it. Uh whereas most trucks are I mean, they're they're 12, 15 feet and, and they can only hold two or three people. And that's what they're designed to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Seems like a, a God thing providing that trailer for you. I would have thought it would take months to find just the right one or something, but that's awesome. Um, how long have y'all been open? What was the process like of launching that? Uh, well, we started, uh, we opened the food truck in October, uh, October 2020. Um, before before we even got the food truck up and running, we were, we were actually starting to 
to uh, do like family meal packs um, and distribute some of those to, to folks that we had connected with uh, who we knew were food insecure. And so we kicked that off, um, you know, a little bit earlier than October, but um, in October we, we had the truck and we had our first like vision night. Um, and, and I like, I made uh, fajitas for like 30, 40 people just, you know, create, like, I didn't know what I was doing uh, in the food truck for like the first time. I, it was literally like, how, let's figure out how this food truck works. Like how the, how the kitchen stuff works. Uh, let's get the gas on, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, and fed like 30 or 40 people on a vision night. Um, and kind of kicked off from there. The, the following week we had, uh, we had our first neighbor night. Um, and, and really throughout the winter, we, we had to cancel once because we had frozen pipes cause we had a terribly cold winter here, uh, in Bentonville. Um, but, uh, other than that, we, we've been open every Thursday night since rain or shine, a few inches of snow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Handed out, had to hand out pizza once we did because we couldn't get the, the water going. That's awesome. Yeah. We were just looking through pictures of. Uh, that big snow and how much snow we had in Arkadelphia too. Just crazy amounts of, of snow. But, right. John, I also want to add that the first several weeks, um, I don't, I don't remember how many weeks now, but we intentionally put nothing on social media about neighbor nights because we wanted to be sure that we were actually reaching the right demographic. Um, and so we talked to school counselors, we talked to our friends that work at DHS and, um, Samaritan shop and different places that we knew had the connections we needed so that we wouldn't just be this cool trendy thing that was opening up to feed people for free that we could actually reach the right crowd. And I feel like that was so important for us because those people are still our core people that came the first weeks and they are still the people that a lot of them aren't on Facebook or Instagram at all. Like they don't do social media. Um, and so the fact that we got to connect with them first, and in fact, we just moved our truck. And so we had to tell them all in person. Um, but now we're all over social media, but we did try to start intentionally um, just face-to-face with those neighbors. Yeah, I love that. Um, Clay, you mentioned you come up with some of the recipes. Is um, Do you love to cook? What inspired you to create these menu items? Is this something that you've been passionate about food for a while? Tell me about that. Yeah, I I, uh, I do love to cook. Uh, kind of the funny thing is um, Meredith and and Jennifer and Melinda, who's who are the dreamers of the of the group. Uh, they are not really passionate about cooking, and so uh, and and their two husbands, it's not really not necessarily their thing either. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, I, I do love to cook, uh, so I guess I guess let's roll with this. Um, in fact, I, I started cooking when I was in high school, uh, and I grew up in in upstate New York. Um, and so I, you know, had the, the Italian and Polish food influences, uh, there. And, and I've just, uh, through, through various experiences and, you know, I, I, I experienced food, um, I experienced culture through food really. And so I've, I've loved doing that and having opportunity to, to just, uh, taste new foods and, and lots of things. Um, but, you know, I, I also had this passion really cultivated whenever I was working for a family owned, uh, salsa company. Um, here in North of Arkansas called My Brother's Salsa with uh, Blake Pointer, who also graduated from Washita, um, and his his wife and, and mother-in-law. Um, but the, the other thing is here in North of Arkansas, we have a great food culture. 
you know, we, we have multiple James Beard award-winning chefs in the area, runners up, uh, and people who that are invested back in the community. Um, you know, whenever COVID hit, we had one of our best restaurant groups here. Uh, they were giving out, they were not giving out, they were doing family packs mm-hmm. and they were doing like $20 family pack for, uh, you know, that will feed a family of 10. And uh, so they were just doing really cool things here. Um, so, you know, I've, I've had that opportunity to kind of, kind of see what they're doing and, and uh, experience the the different flavors and things that they're, they're thinking through. Um, but the concept for our lunch is, is really two things. It's handhelds and forkables, as I like to call them. Okay. Uh, nobody else likes to call them that, but I like that. Um, they're definitely, uh, we, we definitely want to develop the menu further. But right now we're really excited about the plays on sweet and savory, herby and creamy, uh, acidity and fresh. Um, and so those, those are really our focuses on with our sandwiches and with salads. Um, and, uh, and then on Thursday nights, that's really where the, the fun happens with the creativity for neighbor nights, because a lot of our stuff is, is donation. Uh, so whatever meat is coming that week, you know, we get to get to uh, come up with an idea the the menu that goes around with it. Um, and then we have to plan it in such a way that we can feed 200 people within an hour. Right. And so it's, it's really, uh, we've got to figure out how to streamline and, and, uh, so we get this really fun opportunity to, to just be creative with, with how, how we execute that. I love it. Do you have a favorite menu item, either one of you that you've had so far? Well, I mean like neighbor night favorite is definitely the tacos. Uh, we do street tacos. We do them in an authentic way. Um, I, I, I've got I've got uh, a friend that's uh, a Mexican chef and another friend that's from SoCal that uh, have helped us to to really understand how to do that right. Um, and then we actually uh, source our meat from the Mexican meat market here um, that uh, they marinate it for us and partner with us in that and, and uh, source local tortillas from them. So we we just have a lot of fun with with uh, with uh, taco night. Meredith, any favorites? Um, I think the loaded mac and cheese. We put pulled pork and bacon and cheese and a cream of sauce. It's really um, good. It's delicious. It's really I mean, bad for you too. Yeah. I was going to say it's, you know, 9 a.m. and I really want that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really good. Uh, it looked like online that there are some meals that are pay what you can. Some of the meals are free. Tell us about the pay structure at the truck and why it's set up that way. Yeah. So neighbor nights, which is what we started with on Thursdays, um, is always free for everyone. Um, and we intend to always keep it that way. In fact, we're not open for lunch on Thursdays just because of prep, because we feed so many people on Thursdays. Um, but if you were, because we're now open for lunch service, um, there are three options if you come. And we actually got this idea originally from a place called Thelma's Kitchen um, that's in Kansas City. And they do this pay what you can method. Um, and they have tokens um, that are little wooden tokens that say free meal. So we have three options for people during lunch service. If they have a free meal token, um, then their meal is totally free. And anyone that comes to the truck can purchase those meal tokens. So some people might come and buy 10 of them from us, um, keep them in their car for the homeless friend on the corner or the mom at the splash pad. Um, And then 
So they pass out those tokens so they can buy their meal for free with the meal token or they can pay what they can, um, but it's a minimum of $350. Um, so it's not totally free, but that covers our cost. Um, but it also allows like the family of six that couldn't afford to go out to eat um, to come eat with us because they can afford that. Um, and then you can pay full price or donate. Um, so some people might say, hey, this is a $8 meal, but I want to pay 20 today. Um, and that makes up for the people that are paying the 350. Um, and honestly, we were so nervous even looking at Thelma's like, does this actually work? Are you sure? Um, but we really just have such a generous community. And I feel like often when we just um, have a little faith that people um, will be kind to us, that they are. And most people that can give above and beyond will. And we've been really blessed with that. Yeah, I love that. I know it's a, a little bit of a leap of faith there, you know, uh, having people pay what they can pay what they, you know, what they need to there. Um, I love the token idea. I think that's so great and such a, a nice way to be able to bless somebody to be able to get a meal. I think that's so great. Um, what does it take to pull off something like this, like on a weekly basis? What's the team like? How many volunteers does it take? Um, I guess, especially on neighbor nights, it must take a, a big crew. Tell me about what it takes to pull off a, a week on the food truck. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a bit of work. Uh, a lot of flexibility, you know, just making sure that we we uh, are rolling with what whatever happens, right? Because there's it never happens perfectly. Um, you know, we, we could have the propane tanks completely full, and one of them will not will not spit out any gas. Uh, you know, it's just it, it things happen, it, and so we just got to be a lot of, very flexible with those things. Uh, and then we have volunteer teams that are in the truck every week. Uh, so the volunteer teams range from, uh, like six people at a minimum, uh, all the way up to like some churches will bring like 20 people. Uh, and, and that's, that's a little overwhelming, but it's cool. It's cool. We, we, uh, don't, we don't put 20 people in the truck. Those, you know, we have people that serve outside of the truck that are, uh, that are having conversations with folks, praying over folks and, and just, um, just meeting people, uh, being community. And then we've got, we can, we can fit about 10 in the truck. Um, and so what we do is, uh, in, in all those teams sign up on our website, we've got a web form that, that they can sign up, but basically what happens is they show up at 4 PM and we have, uh, an hour and a half until service. And in that hour and a half, uh, we're talking about people who have no, for the most part, have no food service experience. And so for that hour and a half, we're, we're prepping, we're teaching, we're, uh, we're instructing on how like how food service will work like how, how do you how do you actually spit out this many meals in, in an hour um and then you know we're obviously praying with the team uh and having what we call a team meeting uh and so during that team meeting we just we really get to pour into those teams and, and make sure that they're having fun and and all that sort of thing um and, and you know every week I, I say we need a gordon ramsay in the window uh, and, and we really do. We, I mean, aside from the cussing, uh, uh, we, we get somebody who steps up and becomes that person who executes the, the service. Um, sometimes I have to step in and, and help them along, but for the most part, we have people that step up and they'll, they'll actually, uh, push their teammates to, to drive those, uh, those meals out. Um, and, and so 
and then we basically create a, a line, right? So uh, it, the the food will go around the, the truck, the box will go around the truck and get everything it needs and come back to Gordon Ramsay and go out the window. Um, and so it's it's pretty cool how how teams kind of bond and, and start working together very quickly. Um, some of these are are like church staff teams. Some are small group uh, small groups from churches, but we also get a lot of businesses that do this as team building. Uh, here recently, we had the leadership from an automotive shop. Um, so they all came in and uh, I don't think any of them had ever used a knife before because, you know, they're, they're mechanics and that's their, that's their experience. Uh, but, you know, I, I love teaching people how to cut an avocado open, you know, the right way. Uh, so we do that quite a bit. We also had, had a team from our local Lowe's they came in and, and uh, who's, who have helped us out a whole lot. They donated picnic tables and, and all sorts of things that, that had just been a blessing to us. Um, and so we get to spend a couple hours uh, uh, loving on them. And in turn, they get to love on other people. Uh, we encourage them. We, we crank up some music and, and, you know, we have a good time with it. Yeah. That sounds like a lot more fun team building than like trust falls or anything like that. We don't do any trust falls and I've only been burnt once. I have not been stabbed. So, okay. So you know, good. nobody gets on top of the truck and says, you know, fall on and falls off into a group of people. We do not do that. No, you're not allowed on top of the truck. <laughs> do you, do you have any food service experience or have you learned everything from Gordon Ramsay and TV kind of things? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I mean, I, I've never worked in the food. I mean, no. the, the food company that I worked for, it was a consumer packaged good company, right? right. So I, I worked on recipes and things like that, you know, whenever I was invited into that space, but uh, not in a restaurant environment, neither one of us. No. Um, in fact, the first time we ever met with our health inspector, she is fantastic and was so gracious with us. Like when we were getting approved to be open and we were like, we don't know anything. Can you please tell us everything? Um, and she loves what we're doing. She checks in on us. Um, but she really did like walk us through everything that we needed to know and what to do. Um, and that was huge for us that she took time to, uh, teach us that, but we've also been blessed with, uh, chef Dan and chef Aria, She's a um, culinary teacher at Brightwater that have been in our truck and have taught us things and have helped us with things. So we've definitely had other people come in and advise and teach us and educate us. So, yeah, they're they're not aware that whenever they sign up to serve, they think that there's going to be like serving food. And really what happens is they get in the truck and I ask them about a million questions uh, and and just like chef Aria taught me the other day, she, we were trying to clean the griddle and she's like, you any pickle juice? And I'm like, right. pickle juice. I do have pickle juice, but why? Uh, and so we tossed it on that, on the griddle and it, it came off like the grease just cut through and we cleaned that thing so easily. And she just naturally taught us that. So that's awesome. Good skills to learn on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> I cleaned a few griddles in my time, but I've never used pickle juice. That's a good idea. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Good acidity there. Uh, I'm sure that some might look at your location in Bentonville and think, you know, it's it's Walmart land. That's where the money is. Uh, some may wonder what the food need is like up there. What have you guys learned about food insecurity in your area and maybe just generally through your work? This is definitely our most asked question <laughs> <laughs> because our food truck is in downtown and 
uh, downtown Bentonville. And it is like a cute place to live. It's a trendy place to live. Um, in fact, all three families that started this together, we all live um, in downtown. Clayton rode his bike up to the truck yesterday. Like we're all just a hop away from the truck, which made it convenient for us. Um, but we did research this before we picked our location. And I feel like we learned so much um, about the government housing that's walkable and the women's shelter that's right down the street. And those were our first people. And in fact, when we just moved the truck, just four, four blocks from where it was um, to a bigger spot, which is fantastic. But we were worried about all of our people that walk um, and if they would still come. And they did. They came last week. Um, but what we learned when we moved just four blocks away from where we were was there's so much more. Like there's so much more need there. Like we kind of got to meet this need that was walkable from where we were on the north side of the square, but hey, there's actually the same need, maybe even bigger on the other side. Um, and so literally every week, like even with the managers from our local Lowe's, it's so beautiful to watch their eyes be opened every week at as they watch people walk up that um, are literally in need. And some of them you can't tell, but some of them you can. And um, that they think, hey, we're in downtown. We don't have this need, but they get to stand there and take someone's order and deliver food to them for free. And it's just a beautiful picture that, hey, there is like it's hidden amongst all of this wealth, but um, there actually is a huge need. Well, and if you think about it, you know, Bentonville um, in Northwest Arkansas is just a developing city. It's it's not a developed city. Um, it is it's a place where uh, you know, ten years ago when we moved here, most of the stuff wasn't here. Uh, it was it, there wasn't a ton of stuff in Bentonville, and so it's just in the last 10, 15 years where there's been this bulk investment in, in this city, and, and people are just flocking to it from from all over. Um, but what what existed here before? uh, was, was factory work. Um, and so there's, it's not like, uh, it is a historically wealthy place to live. Um, you know, the, the facts really speak for themselves. I mean, and I, I know that Bentonville is like the third best place to live in the country, arguably, yeah, I would argue the best, uh, but third best city to live in the U S is, is what, what the, what they report. Um, but we still have, 13% of our kids in Northwest Arkansas that are burdened by food insecurity. I mean, it's just a shocking number uh, that, that that many kids uh, are, don't know where their next meal is coming from. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's mind blowing to me that, that there are so many families in need uh, in a place where, where it's so great to live. And so it just makes me think, you know, what about other cities? Mm-hmm. John, I want to add that Clay hit on this earlier, but I feel like the biggest thing that we have learned about food insecurity is that it doesn't have a face. It doesn't have a look. Um, it takes weeks for these families to see us every single Thursday and finally start sharing like their name and then a tiny bit of their story. And then, uh, then they remember our name and 
then they begin getting comfortable enough that they can open up like, Hey, I'm going to see Meredith again this week, or Hey, Clay's going to be there. Um, And time and time again, there have been families that I think, because it's open for everyone on neighbor nights, like you don't have to be food insecure to come. Um, But there are families that I would have guessed maybe weren't food insecure um, because of their appearance. But as they opened up and as they shared their stories, um, it's very emotional about like that we actually do get to impact them making ends meet every week because one night of the week, they don't have to worry about food. Um, But like, I would look at them and never know that. Uh, So I feel like that's been one of the biggest things for us is that some people we can tell, but that there are a lot that come with a slew of kids and they look like normal young families, but um, they're actually in need. And that's, that's kind of one of the more interesting things is, is some of these families that, that like we've got one family that has six plus kids and some of them are foster kids. And, and so they, they, they've spent their life ministering to, to these children uh, and, and where they, where it ends up is I've got to cook every meal at home because of my budget is so tight. Mm-hmm. Now this isn't somebody that's on WIC. This isn't somebody that's uh, that, that has governmental help because of this, their circumstances. Um, but it's also not somebody who can go out to Chili's. And take all six kids and pay 150 bucks, you know. And so this is just a night that they can come and they can they can have somebody cook their meal for them. Um, but what we've what what I've seen, uh, I, I sum it up this way: is about a third of the people that show up are truly food insecure. Uh, they're they're experiencing that where they really don't know where the next meal is. Um, and then about a third of the people are uh, are here to help people that, that are coming for conversations, coming to build community, coming uh, because we've encouraged them to show up local pastors and, and various folks that, that we want there because there's the opportunity for connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then about a third of the people are what I call spiritually hungry uh, where they, especially uh, coming out of COVID where they haven't been around people. They haven't talked to people. They haven't uh just they haven't shared a meal with anyone Mm -hmm. and uh and so well we only have so many picnic tables so you got to share a meal with somebody (laughs) um and so we got about a third of the people that 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 are really just needing conversation uh and have an opportunity to share share life with them yeah emily and i found a a little food truck in amity you know a little bit down the road yeah there's only two picnic tables in the whole place and so we sat with two other couples and they knew everybody in town. We were the out of towners and we heard some pretty amazing stories, but <laughs> like, I want to like follow up with these people's lives. Cause it was so interesting to get to know these people. So you probably just got to go back to that same food truck. They'll probably be there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Hey, um, what do you see as the future of, for the love? What would you love to see going uh, kind of down the road? Um, so we, we actually just hired uh, a guy named Phil. He's awesome. Um, so Phil is, is the first full-time employee for, for the love. Uh, he's going to serve as a manager to manage day-to-day operations for the food truck. So we're super pumped about that. Um, you know, it's, it, it has been a lot of work for, for us and for the other two families that are involved. And so our hope is that Phil will take off some of that planning and, and, and some of those things that we've been doing. 
Um, locally, we have a goal to add an additional mobile unit because our our food truck right should be mobile, but it's an old silver stream and our axles are not good and all that sort of thing. So what we want is we want a drivable unit uh, that we can better serve community the communities around us, whether that's uh, taking it to Rogers uh, to to Fayetteville even um, or, or taking it out uh, to Knoll, Missouri, where there is a where there's huge need. People live in extreme poverty up in Knoll, and so uh, we just see opportunities. Uh, popping up, and, and there's also like the the opportunity for um, for making this more sustainable through uh, through catering events and things like that. That people are are excited about the the mission um, that they really want to support it. And I mean, we we got invited to to cater a wedding. I mean, what 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 are these people thinking? Like they're just like, let's sure let's get a food truck over here to cater the wedding. That sounds sounds nice and fancy. Uh, but we would love to, to do those things. If, if people are really excited about that, they just want to be a part of the mission. Right. And they're going to spend this money. And so they want to spend it in a place where, where people are being impacted. Um, but also thinking outside the box, uh, we, we have a passion to, from the very beginning, create something that is sustainable and also something that we can replicate in other communities. Um, so what that looks like, uh, we're not, we're not really sure yet, but we're trying to figure out this really, we, we came into this being like, we're open-minded to where this goes to, to what this becomes. But what we want to do is, is create something that other people can take and, and use, um, whether that's under the, for the love banner or their own ministry. Um, we've got, we've got some friends, uh, down in South Arkansas that are doing uh, food truck Fridays where they're just, they're literally inviting everybody. They're inviting these food trucks and, and their church is paying for it. Right. So it's, it's a different take on the model. Uh, but, um, but you know, we're, we're cool with that because we want people to uh, just kind of get into their communities, love people, uh, get engaged um, and, and really impact food insecurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would, you know, I had never thought about a food truck for food insecure people. So I'm sure as those find out, you know, as folks find out about this, they're going to get inspired and excited kind of in their own way, which is cool. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, you know, how can those listening today, how can your Washtaw family get involved in what you're doing up there? Um, follow us on social media. Um, we share everything there. Um, share our story on social media. Um if you are local, we would love to connect with you, plug you in, come let you jump in on the crazy on a Thursday night. Um, and if you're not local and you just want to hear more about what we're doing and how you can do something similar, still our idea, um, give us a call. Like we would love to share anything that we have learned along the way. Um, and yeah, the more people that are, um, fighting food insecurity, the better. Yeah. Lunch service is also a great service opportunity. So uh, I don't know if we mentioned that, but that, that's volunteer, uh, uh, vol- mainly volunteer run. Phil, uh, who I mentioned before, the manager, he he runs the show, but uh, it, it can't happen without volunteers. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's a, every, every day of the week, we have opportunities to serve. Now, if people want to donate, is there a place to do that on the website? Or I think you have like some Venmo options or things. Are there ways people can just give wherever they're listening today if they're in California or wherever they are today? It is up on the website. Um, You can give on the website. You can give on Venmo. Um, 
Or yeah. write us a check. <laughs> yeah. That's Look, all we got. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm sure some folks might want to donate uh, to it. So I'll link to the website in the uh, show notes there so everybody can kind of figure out how to get involved. Uh, switching gears, uh, how did you guys meet? I mean, I know, Clayton, you were uh, from New York originally, came to Washtenaw. Did you guys meet at Washtenaw? Tell me your, your story. We did meet at Washtenaw. Um, my freshman year, my freshman family group dad was Jake Stanley, and him and Clay were roommates. Um, so whenever we would have like little meetups, Clay would occasionally just show up. Um, As the crazy uncle. <laughs> so we met very early on at, at my Washtenaw experience, but um, we were just, we had a lot of mutual friends. Um, we did not start dating until over a year later. Um, we definitely met at Washtenaw. That's for sure. Uh, and, and Meredith told me that uh, one day that she we didn't want to move outside of Arkansas. She's from, she's from hope. And so, uh, so I was like, where's the best place we can live? <laughs> What's the farthest corner of the state I can get to? <laughs> How far North can I get? <laughs> I love that. What was your journey uh, after Washtenaw? I know, you know, I know you worked for Washtenaw for a little bit, Clay, and then I knew the my brother saw some moment, but what have y'all been up to kind of since graduation? Uh, so we, I, I moved up here for, for work. I was working for Washita, uh, uh, working in the development area. Um, and, uh, eventually, um, went to work in consumer packaged goods. Uh, so selling to, to Walmart, to Sam's club, to, uh, to whole foods, all, all of those things and, and kind of learning that world. Um, because, we studied Christian studies at, at Washita. And so, uh, you know, one day I can kind of look at each other and we're like, Hey, we probably both aren't going to get a job in the same church. Um, and so, uh, so I, I started, started down this journey of, of thinking about what, what else can I do? What else can I do to impact, uh, impact the world around me and that sort of thing. And so, uh, I went to work for, for my brother salsa. I've worked for Walmart. Um, and, uh, uh, and now I, I work for a vendor that, um, vendor that I sell to, to Sam's club. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Meredith, what was your journey? Like, did you go straight into children's ministry? Tell me about your journey. I did. Well, right after we got married and I moved up here, I would, I worked, I worked for Dillard's just like, while you're looking for, I was a salesperson yeah. for Dillard's while I was looking for a job. I was there for a few months. Um, but yeah, I was hired at Grace Hills, um, was a tiny church plant at that point um, in the movie theater and nine years later and still there. I, I have not jumped around, but, um, now we own a building and, um, in fact, we've got to design two buildings since then. Um, but yes, I have been at Grace Hills from the get go. More than, more than a, a kids minister, uh, Meredith really like has been a church planter. Uh, and, and we've been church planters, uh, for, for nine years, figuring it out. Um, we've had a ton of fun and, and it's, it's, you know, kind of similar story to, to the food truck. It's like, okay, you, you live in the Bible belt. Why do you need a, why do you need a new church? Why do you need another church? Well, we live in one of the fastest growing cities in, in the U S and so we absolutely need more churches. Um, we need more coffee shops. We need more restaurants. I mean, we need, we need a lot of, a lot of things that just because there are so many people coming, um, and, and they're coming from all over. 
They're coming from California. They're coming from the Northeast. Uh, they're coming from post-church. I don't know. We, we probably we weren't on this podcast to talk about church, but they're coming from post uh, post evangelical post church uh, cultures uh, where where you know for the first time they're engaging um, engaging here in, in Northwest Arkansas and have we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, share the good news, and um, so uh, so I serve as pastor there as well, um, just not even by vocationally, non vocationally. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I, I get an opportunity to, to, to preach there sometimes and that sort of thing. Um, but it's, it's, a this is a, a different environment. I would, I would even argue that it's not even part of the Bible belt, uh, that this is, this is, it should be excluded from the Bible belt because we're, you know, we're so very different from most cities in, in the South. Everyone moves in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as a as a former church planter in a movie theater, children's minister, bless you, you for know. surviving that. You know, you know where to where to put up a nursing screen in a movie theater and how to boil a a baby bottle in a theater. I mean, so many things you learned through that. But yeah, I bet you're glad to thankful for that time, but glad to have a building to be into. <laughs> yeah, and, for sure. And uh, and along the way, we've we've added uh, two little boys. So we've got uh, um, a four year old named Graham. And an 18-month-old named Peter. Love that. So you have your own little children's ministry going there at the house. That's right. <laughs> Very fun. Uh, quickly, how did both of you hear about Washtaw? I mean, Meredith, you're from Hope, so you probably maybe knew a little bit about Washtaw. But uh, tell me about how you guys heard about Washtaw. What made you choose Washtaw for school? I grew up, yeah, in Hope. Um, our church was at Super Summer every year. So I had been on campus multiple times. Um always thought that attending super summer, I always thought that that's where I was going to be. Um, but I do have an older sister that attended Washita. Um, so once she was there, then I was for sure sold. I mean, my goodness, Meredith's whole family is, is washed out through and through at this point. And uh, yeah, I, I learned about Washita. I was, so I grew up in upstate New York, wanted to study Christian ministry. Um, and so I came actually did a, like a tour of, of schools uh, down here in the South. My, my grandparents were living in hot springs at the time. And so we kind of flew into Arkansas, borrowing one of their cars and we're going to do this, this tour with, of, of universities in the South and Washington wasn't even on the list. Um, and my, my grandmother said, um, we go to this production every, you know, every Christmas down at this college, it's, it's called like Owachita. <laughs> uh, you know, just butchered it. Um, but they, they'd gone to, uh, you know, the Christmas production year in, year out. Um, and, uh, and say, Hey, you should check it out. It's, it's close by. And obviously I, you know, whenever I came on campus, it was, you know, it was over, like, you know, people were so friendly and, you know, it was just like, it, it felt like home, right. It felt like as, as many people, uh, describe it. It was just like you, you talk to everybody as you're walking through campus. And then I went to other universities and I was like, well, it's not like Washita. <laughs> and, uh, it's it, yeah. So it was uh, for sure that that's how I found out. All right. Do you still have family in the North or is everyone kind of down here? What's that like? Uh, no, everybody, everybody has left the North. Um, <laughs> uh, my parents are retired. And so they, they are, uh, they actually are full-time RVers. Uh, but they, uh, are in Arizona right now, spend most of their time in Arizona. 
Um, and I've got a brother in Colorado and a brother in, in Texas. Okay. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a weird thing coming. I mean, I'm barely from the North, like, you know, Mount Vernon, Missouri, just over the Mason Dixon, but um, <laughs> it is weird to come down here and have everybody be so friendly. Cause even in Missouri, you don't talk to people on the sidewalk. Like you just don't do that. And then down here, it's so friendly. So I can imagine coming from New York, it was a shock to the system a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, are there things that you learned at Washaw that prepared you for, uh, you know, kind of jumping into this food truck ministry or for your lives in ministry? What do you think uh, you learned at Washaw that prepared you for this? I mean, for sure. Like um, we both studied ministry and I mean, I feel like so many classes in that um, building were influential into just teaching us how to um, live a missional life basically. And, um, I mean, intro to missions, intro to ministry, world religions. I mean, so many classes that, um, just really gave us a foundation that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, in fact, we still, this, this spiritual formation is not a class I talked about, but Clayton still pulled out that book from spiritual formation, grasping God's word and was using it last week. And we graduated. Well, you graduated like 12 years ago. Hey, don't, don't age me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm uh, we're preaching through a series at church and uh, it's on spiritual form. Um, and literally I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, unashamedly stealing topics from uh, Dr. Duvall's book. Um, and so, yeah, it, absolutely. Um, it, I mean, I talked to a, a professor the other day from, from JBU and I, I told him where I went to college and he's like, Oh yeah, I use Duvall's books. I, I use Hayes' books, all of them, right? So, you know, it's just, um, it, it ended up being such a blessing to be to be able to go to Washtar, right? To, uh, it was kind of happenstance that I ended up there, right? I didn't even know how to pronounce the college's name. Um, but for these guys that that know the word, that, uh, that, that live it out, um, I mean, that's so unique uh, among Christian colleges. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Emily and I uh, go to church and sit right in front of Dr. Duvall. And so we had the the youth pastor was preaching this past weekend and you could hear the things that like resonated with Duvall. He'd like laugh at a little thing or, or you know, snicker. And I thought, man, that, it's got to be stressful for Colin preaching, first of all. But also, I just love like having Dr. Duvall like right there, you know, you kind of kind of see what resonates with him. I mean, he knows, you know, more than I'll ever forget about the Bible. but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, we have a seg- segment on the podcast called Fast Fave Fives. Just kind of want to get a little glimpse into your uh, time at Washtenaw. Uh, who are a couple of your favorite professors? Uh, Duval, Pemberton, Franklin. Uh, Dr. Franklin uh, uh, married us. Uh, actually, he, he, he ordained, did, <laughs> performed the wedding uh, <laughs> while he was like, he had a staph infection and like was about to pass out. Like he didn't tell us a word. He just suffered through and, and then just that kind, guy. He's that kind of guy. that kind of guy. So yeah. Awesome. Mary, the same folks for you, or do you have any different professors there? Well, he stole mine actually. That was, <laughs> that was mine that I wrote down. <laughs> um, 
You can add some if you want to. No, I can't think of that. That was probably everybody. Carter, Carter yeah. yeah. Carter. Oh. We're oh, yeah. building a lot, it seems like. So. We we bonded over uh, over Carter's class actually over uh, uh, you know the uh, history of Christianity because because Meredith uh, was studying that and I you know I had taken it like a year earlier or whatever and so that's that's what we bonded over was history of Christianity. Nice, you know that's where all the love stories begin. You know that's, that's where they begin. <laughs> love that. Now as you are um, feeding hungry people in your community, what was your Favorite thing to eat on campus? Chick-fil-A, for sure. I mean, Chick-fil-A is still one of my favorite things to eat. Were, were there, I mean, Chick-fil-A was the, the best option for sure. I mean, I drank a lot of coffee. I remember <laughs> that. But I, yeah, definitely drink a lot of coffee. Still drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> yes. Not as much, not in the afternoon, but, uh, <laughs> but yes. I love that. Yeah. Chick-fil-A came while I was a student and I don't think I ate anywhere else once it got there. I mean, I was that's right all day. See how much, see how long the chick money can hold out. Favorite tune shows. I know. Let's see. Were both of you in a tune show? Just Meredith? Just me. Okay. I was never in a tune show. Okay. Any favorite shows, Meredith or Clay, anything that you, that stands out? Um, to you? I love tunes. I love all of the shows. Um, I feel like, Still today, even being in Tri-Kai shows every year, um, one of the most memorable to me is still the fourth floor guys. Yeah. Um, was that what it was called? Fourth floor yeah. guys? Uh, um, yeah. Uh, did they have another name? I don't know if they had another name. I don't think so. I mean, maybe it just said fourth floor. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, security, right? Campus. Campus. Yeah. yeah it's a good show. I- I can also never forget being in Soccer Moms with Tri-Kai and having the worst shin splints ever from doing like that jump rope routine 10 bazillion times to get it right in rehearsal. And all of us, there were like six of us, and we all had such bad shin splints, (laughs) too much jumping. That's funny. Yeah, I always think like, you know, do we give enough time to practice as, you know, should we give more? Should we give less? I'm like, there's so much practice. I know you guys just like were exhausted doing all that, but then I also don't know how we pull it off and it looks so good. I mean, we just have a few weeks to pull it together, but pretty amazing. Yeah. We just won a award for tunes rewind, you know, that we did in the fall cause we couldn't do tunes. We won this national award and I got noticed that the other, one of the other award winners was UCLA. There's, they have a thing called spring sing. And I was like, well, it can't be as good as Washita. And I look it up and I was like, it's been around, I mean, for a whole lot longer than us. Like the MCs were Ronald Reagan and this, I'm like, okay, so this is legit. (laughs) Wow. So yeah, other schools are out there doing it. I mean, I'm partial to ours for sure, but um, yeah, I think that's pretty fun that other, other schools have done it too. Um, Favorite spot on campus. You might have different spots, but is there a favorite place on this campus that you love? I don't know. Um, I feel like I love like the Tone Bottoms, Berry Bible, like the lawn. Like I feel like there was a lot of um, hangout time out there. And it's just such a beautiful spot, Um, which when we were there, that was always where the graduation was also. But it's just spent a lot of time in Berry Bible. Yeah. Is that what it's still called? Yeah. I mean, I think the whole building itself is called like Barry people's Bible building. Cause they just did a big renovation, had some additional help there, but um, 
yeah, the actual Barry Chapel has been uh, renovated in the last couple of years too. And it looks great in there. You know, they changed the floors out. It's like um, tile. And so if you sing it all and it just like, you know, Oh really? Yeah. We did a worship service in there right when it opened and it was like, do we have to whisper sing? Cause it was just like, wow. It was like, so. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Rob Hewell was leading a, a worship service for us and we were all just kind of like stunned. It just sounded so awesome in there, but yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is uh, if, if this can be edited out or not, but um, we, you know, we used to repel off the bridge. Uh, that was always fun. That was a good spot. Um, so I don't know if anybody still does that. Was that new bridge or old bridge? New bridge? Well, we did the old bridge because it was very dangerous uh, to do the old bridge. Not because not because they're repelling, but because we're worried that we might the bridge might actually collapse on us. Yeah. Uh, but how did it not? New bridge is much more secure. Yeah, I wasn't back on campus yet when they knocked down the old bridge, but they were saying like they just pushed the bolts through. I mean, it was just like that thing was ready to go. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm glad you survived. So <laughs> I'm sure Meredith is thankful that you lived as well there. <laughs> yep. Um, any other favorite like standout memories of your time uh, as students here? Uh, I, I mean, probably my my biggest memory uh, was the opportunity to go um, and, and spend a semester in South America and in, in Peru uh, with as part of a missions uh, internship program. Uh, so Dr. Franklin was like, you want to, you want to be the first one to go and do this crazy thing called hands-on. And, uh, and so I convinced my roommate, Jake, uh, to, to go and he went to Africa and I went to Peru. Uh, and so that was, that was a great, for, for me, great nine months of life that was really, uh, influential and, and life-changing. Yeah. Meredith, any thoughts? Meeting Clay. That's, you know, that's definitely it. <laughs> That was definitely her favorite memory ever. It's kind of crazy okay. that, you, that you and Jake were roommates. I mean, you both like have, you know, taken a path in life-changing work, I feel like. I mean, Jake moved to Africa, right, for a while? Yeah, yeah. With folks there, so. Get, and me and Dayton were roommates. Oh, yeah. He married, which they did not date um, until later, but it is funny that yeah. they ended up getting married. Yeah, it's important. We got married first. They followed <laughs> <laughs> Rockstar roommates. I love that. <laughs> well, hey, I want to thank you guys for hopping on today and chatting. I know you've got a busy day ahead, but I um, just want to tell you that we're so incredibly proud of the work that you're doing. And I'm just in awe of God's uh, creativity and inspiration and giving you and your friends the idea to start this truck and can't wait to see how God blesses the concept and the idea and replicates that uh, hopefully around the country. And uh, just am thankful for you guys. So thanks for hopping on. And I can't wait to see you guys on campus. Bring the kiddos so we can uh, meet them and say hi. But yeah, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, John. It was really uh, really fun to be on and, uh, and really thankful for your words of encouragement. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes.